Hello and welcome to Borders Blatherings, the podcast that shines a light on the curious, shadowy and often magical history of the Scottish Borderlands. Today, Mary and I have with us a special guest in Rhiannon. How are you, Rhiannon? I'm very good. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. And Mary, yourself? I'm very well, thank you. And it's great to have Rhiannon here joining us for a Halloween podcast. A Halloween special, yes. This brings together um, the nucleus of the team that put together the Fright Night in the local village hall some two years ago. Yeah. Three years ago? Yeah, must be. Pre-COVID times. It was, it was a different pre-COVID. world then. <laughs> it was indeed. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of the kids came along and just enjoyed some of the traditional Halloween games and fun and, and, and so on. So, Mary, today we're going to talk about, I spent many years in America, trick or treat, yeah? No, we are not speaking about trick-or-treating at all and if you're going to you can leave now <laughs> no not doing it not doing it no it's halloween it's guising it's not trick-or-treat but halloween uh, i i work with students from all across europe and they frame the tradition of halloween very much in america indeed they do well they're wrong and you can tell them from me they're wrong <laughs> halloween is scottish absolutely its roots are scottish its traditions are scottish and its ongoing fascination is Scottish. Okay, so let's get down to the, the, the business of this then. So, let's talk about the name Halloween. Are we talking about the Eve of All Hallows Day? We are, but originally we're talking about um, a festival called Samhain, or Samhain, um, depending on your Gaelic pronunciation. And it was one of the four festivals of the year. So what it was, it was the festival when... Um, harvest had been brought in and there was a lot of food and there was a lot of feasting and a lot of drinking but also it was when the border between the living and the dead was rather permeable and people Uh could pass through either way maybe so it was a time to be thinking of your ancestors thinking of who died and who might die in the future so it was very much a time of of enjoyment but also stories and songs and legends and myths And all sorts of things. Partying. Partying, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So, Rhiannon, we've invited you here today just to give some input into the the podcast that we're doing on Halloween. What are your early childhood memories of Halloween? Well, my mother is pagan or Wiccan. And um, so my childhood is very much to do with Sawain. And the the festival of that, it, for pagans, it's New Year's and it falls at the end of harvest. So it's a, it's kind of a celebration of the seasons changing rather than uh, getting sweets, <laughs> TPing some houses with toilet roll. It's not very much to do with that. It's, as Mary just said, connecting with your ancestors. For me, it was a bonfire in the woods and we would um, write a wish for the upcoming year uh, on Mm. a piece of paper and then we'd throw it into the fire and give it to the earth. And you'd put a bit of food, a bit of drink in the fire, give it back to, very much air quotes, uh, Mother Earth, the goddess. That's a very different experience from my working class upbringing in Edinburgh. 
Um, did you do ducking for apples? And, and, uh... Yes, but mainly at parties. I, I didn't really do it like with that kind of religious aspect of it. We mm-hmm. didn't really do any of that with it. It was just food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, things like I mean, if you start off with the bonfire, bonfires of course started off as bonfires because what you would do in the autumn is you would slaughter most of your cattle and your sheep because there wasn't the, the food for them over the winter and it was expensive to buy in fodder. So you slaughter the majority of them and salt the meat to get you going over the winter and you pile up the bones and you have a bonfire or a bonfire. Ah, right. And then all of the uh, fires in the village would be dampened down and the headsman, or more usually actually the headswoman, would come along and she would light a single brand from the bone fire and go around the village and relight all of the fires from this bone fire flame. So the bone fire was quite special. And also you would use the original skulls as lanterns. So you would, you would have your skull, which you would hollow out and put a candle in. And of course that, after people got a little bit sensitive about that, we started using neeps or turnips in Scotland. And, of course, the Americans now use pumpkins, pumpkins. but that's fair enough. <laughs> but in saying that, it is pretty difficult to hollow out a turnip to put a candle in, yeah, a candle oh, in they, there. I do they are solid. They are solid. There's something great about um, carving a turnip, though, because when they start to decay in that certain way, it kind of, they go wrinkly like, like a face. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I love carving a turnip. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. So, if anybody's wondering, the sound effects we have in the background is Cassie, our little doggy, who's joined us for Halloween, but is so bored by our conversation that she's sleeping. But that's what the sound effects are in the background. We haven't invited a ghost along. It's just Cassie's providing some sound effects, in case anybody was wondering. You're doing well, Cassie. Yeah, well, she's fine. Valuable contribution. Absolutely. Maybe she'll dream of ghosts. So, yeah, exactly. you, you, you told me then it's not American, despite all of the movie franchises and, and so on that it's celebrated in, in, in cartoons like The Simpsons and Family Guy so you put me right there I haven't left the room <laughs> let's go back then to the origins and you mentioned guising not trick or treat can you just tell us a little bit more about that so because the 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 layer, the border between the living and the dead was so permeable the idea was that the dead could actually come if they were lonely um, your grandfather might be on his own in the afterlife and he might be lonely for his family. So he might come along and obviously he's a little bit lonely, but he might want to take you back with him, which mm. is a little bit scary. Or maybe somebody who's a restless spirit or an evil spirit might want to try and snatch you and take you back to the other world. And so what you would do is you would disguise yourself. You would put on a costume so that somebody wouldn't recognise you. They wouldn't be able to grab you. And in addition to guising, what you would do is you would tell stories. You would tell ghost stories. You would say how Grandad was a great guy. You know, he used to do this and he used to do that. And you would put out sweets for the dead so that you were actually giving to them. They didn't give to you. You gave to them so they wouldn't come and snatch you away. Yeah. And you would wander around the sort of border of the village, the boundary of the village, making sure that there were no actual spirits out there that were trying to snatch anybody. And that developed into ghost stories and that developed into adults actually giving sweeties to the children. But it was only after you'd done something. You didn't just pitch up and say the trick-or-treat thing. You pitched up and you had to sing a song or do a wee poem or a wee dance and you would get some sweeties there. And if you didn't get sweeties, you did not egg somebody's house or TP their house. You just went away feeling a bit sorry for yourself. But you didn't do this trick bit 
no, that wasn't that wasn't what you did because it was the spirits that might trick you, so you wouldn't mm-hmm. trick another person. It's been sort of turned on its head there. Egging someone's house, that's very bad Simpson. <laughs> yes. I, I, I yes. can see the American influence here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you think yep. some of this American influence also comes from like Day of the Dead and Mexico and the way, because there is quite mm. a similarity between the Scottish Sawain and Day of the Dead and that like eating, drinking, remembering your ancestors part of it. Yeah. Whereas America, when yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you go around any uh, any graveyard in the Scottish Borders or anybody else in Scotland, you'll find what are known as tablestone graves, and the tablestone graves are very, very old graves. Um, the Church of Scotland got them knickers and a note about it, of course, during the Reformation. But when did they not? Uh, exactly. <laughs> but what tablestones were was you went down on the anniversary either of that person's death or of their birth. And you had a picnic, picnic on the grave. So you used it as a table and you would pour drink into the grave to allow them to have a drink along with. So yes, so in America you've got the Scottish influence, but you've also got that Mexican influence of the Day of the Dead mm-hmm. and celebrating the relatives that have died. It's not a sad thing. The Day of the Dead's a celebration. You can connect um, with them easier because the veil is thin. Exactly, exactly. So those two combinations, I think, have been what have changed in America and there are other elements as well. Mm. Mostly the sweetie manufacturers, or sorry, yeah. the candy manufacturers in America, obviously. <laughs> uh, Mary, again, uh, showing the influence America has had on me, I'm going to throw you a curveball here. Oh, lordy. <laughs> I'm at a masked ball in Venice, mm-hmm. way back. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing Beautiful. the mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You talked about guising as disguising. And I, I think that many people believe that by covering who you are with a face mask, that hides you from some truth, whatever that is. I believe the opposite, that that actually brings out the inner person. It can be in the, you because nobody can see you, you can reveal your true self. Yes. So you can, you might be... Um, a staid shopkeeper in your village most of the year and then at Halloween you get to dress up and you can run about and pinch the girls' bums or do something exciting like that that you would never normally do. So yes, it disguises you in one sense but it releases you and allows you to do behaviours that you wouldn't normally do. You might get very, very drunk and sing lots and lots of songs and you might be the minister the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you Dance might... around the bonfire. Exactly. You know, and people sort of know who you are, but it's a bit sort of emperor's new clothes. Nobody's going to say. So the week after Halloween, nobody's going to say anything like, oh, do you remember so-and-so and what they got up to the other night? Because everybody has been able to have that bit of a release. Mm-hmm. And, it's a, and again, it goes back to the spirits because the thing with the spirits is that they're not bothered what anybody thinks about them anymore. Mm. They don't have all of the hang-ups that we have. They are their pure essence selves. And that's what you can get away with a little bit on Halloween. That little I also bit of a release. like the thought of that release because uh, Halloween is one of the biggest festivals before you have the long dark of winter. And it is that big celebration. I know Christians brought in Christmas and there is um, winter solstice in the winter but I feel like for me in childhood it was that last big hurrah before it's dark all the time and a bit gloomy 
And of course, Halloween also has lots of things like you mentioned earlier, Doug, bobbing for apples. Well, that's divination. So you've got water. And of course, water is a gateway into the land of the dead. And you're moving that water, widdershins, anti-clockwise, and you're putting apples and you're seeing which way do the apples go. Uh, and can I grab an apple? Is that going to be a good year? If I don't grab an apple, is it going to be a bad year? Or girls would take apples and peel the apple core into one single peel and throw it over their left shoulder and then have a look. And did it make the letter J? Maybe I'm going to marry somebody called James. Or did it make the letter D? Maybe I'm going to marry somebody called Davy. Um, you would take the nuts, the, 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 the harvest fruits, take the nuts and, and dry roast them and see which way they jumped. Do they jump to the right? Do they jump to the left? What does that mean? And then, of course, you have people who come in who later on are going to get persecuted as witches, but you have people coming in and they can read what it all means. So there's lots of divination, there's looking at the past and the dead, but also looking at the future. And sometimes the spirits might be able to tell you a few things as well. And so you have retelling of tales and reinterpretation of tales. So there's a huge, yeah, you're right, Rihanna, there's a huge amount that goes on at Halloween. Um, whereas the winter solstice is more, we're halfway through, so right, we've got another half, you know, we're going to be okay, we're going to make it through the winter, and there's a lot of feasting, but Halloween's the one for gathering and, and conversations and what does the future hold? Yeah, because that, yeah. for me, Swain was New Year's, and it kind of has that aspect mm. of New Year's, like, uh, what do you call it? Oh, what's, I've had a completely mind blank. Uh, oh, we have them all the time, <laughs> yeah, go for it. The, th the wish you make at the beginning of the year to do something New different. Year's resolution. That's the one. So that's kind of like, you can see with the divination how it's almost a New Year's resolution. It's thinking of that next year, like what is it going to bring? How am I going to change it? It's fascinating. Mm. You I do also, another aspect in America is obviously Thanksgiving. And I know that a lot of Americans have, they have their big you know, celebration with your family. And they'll often say what they're thankful for. You would often get that at Halloween. You would say what you were thankful mm. for in the year and what you were wanting for the for the next year. You were saying writing wishes and burning them in the fire because fire's cleansing. Fire and water are really, really important elements. And they're because they are they're not solid, they are thought to be of the spirit world or allowed you to communicate with the spirit world. Very important, yeah. Yes. Can I just go back to looking for apples? Mm-hmm something I remember well from my childhood, and I, I relate very much to Halloween. It was the one good use my parents put of the tin bath that I had to go into every Sunday evening <laughs> before school on the Monday, where we had apples bobbing about in the tin bath with the water. Are you saying to us then that the water, in, in a sense, is a mirror, that we're looking into a mirror, that it's a door, uh, a window into... Yes, the past and present, the and future. The belief was that water acts as a gateway. Water is because water is fluid; it's liquid. It moves all the time. You know, it can be ice, and it can be frosty, and then it can be fast flowing and mm. soft flowing. So it has all these different sort of mercurial properties. Water, and so it acted as a gateway into the land of the spirits, but it also allowed you to see the past and the future, but not just the definite future, the future that might happen, uh -huh. or then again might not happen depending on what you got up to and what you did and what you didn't do. And it might allow you to peer into the past and think, oh, actually, that's why that happened. So it has all of these different properties within it. And again, you needed to have people who knew how to read water 
And of course, water, this is why you would put an offering in water. So you do a votive offering and you would put in metal because metal was quite precious, which is why today you'll still throw coins down a wishing well or into a fountain oh, wow. to ask for good luck. That's where that comes from. It was where the tradition of the lady in the lake bringing the sword uh, out of the lake yes. because that is precious. Metal is a precious quantity that, you know, people don't have a lot of metal. So to throw it away, but you're not throwing it away, you're giving it to the gods. You're saying to the gods, please give me a good year or please give me a baby or please make my harvest be really good this year. And I'm going to give you the one metal object that I have. Mm -hmm. Please let us just survive winter. Yes, that, <laughs> and that was a big one. You know, being able to survive a border's winter is no mean feat when you are really on the edge. <laughs> you know, it really is. Just one final point on, on guising. A question for you, Rhiannon, and, and, and then a follow-up one for you, Mary. When you were young, what do you, how did you dress up to go guising? What, did, did you have standard I, I, I never went. You never went guising? So I am quite lucky in that I'm a late October baby. So I got that out and I, I used to have a Halloween-themed birthday every year. So I'd get that dressing up for a birthday, but uh -huh. it was usually for dressing for a festival, in my experience, was plain dress, as plain as possible, because you're not trying to be flashy. The people who are conducting the ceremony or it's a lot to do with circles in paganism. So they create this circle. There's a north, south, east and west or fire, earth, mm. air and water. They will be the ones who are dressed up because they need to be easily seen and everybody else is just plain frock. But I did enjoy being a witch quite often. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. I'm really not surprised. Also, one time, um, Tatiana, the, the leader of the fairies, I remember having a, such ah. a great... had wings for that one. That was fabulous. Tatiana. Thank you very much. Mm. Now that takes me on to my question to you, Mary. Mm -hmm. Are there traditional costumes that people dress up in today and have they changed over the many centuries? Oh, it absolutely has changed. When I was growing up a million years ago in Glasgow, um, you dressed up as a witch or a wizard or a skeleton or a ghost. You dressed up mm -hmm. as spooky things, yeah. um, scary things, or a demon. Mm. Horns. Yeah. You know, if the Church of Scotland would let you away with that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, and of course, all of your costumes were homemade. So you did have some weird and wonderful concoctions, you know, where you'd, yeah. you'd pinch something, you know, pinching your granny's old black shawl without telling her because you wanted to be the witch. Yeah, that was that was a good one. I got a wallop for that one year. <laughs> um, yeah, but more recently, um, costumes have changed. And so what you get is you'll get people dressed up as television characters. You'll get them dressed up as somebody from The Simpsons or Family Guy. So again, you've got that American influence. Um, you've got a lot more fairies and witches, I think. Um, you still get some scary ones, but they tend to be shop-bought more than homemade. So that's quite a difference there. But I mean, the original idea was to disguise yourself as a person, to make sure that you could not be recognised and then you couldn't be snatched by the spirits or, or you know, you could get up to all sorts of naughtiness and because people were sort of not recognising you. Then it morphed into something that was scary 
because Halloween became the scary time when you told a ghost story and now it's dressing up into the most elaborate thing you can. Or but sexy. Or, or sexy things. But always, in a lot of cases, current things. So you'll get current television characters or film characters that you wouldn't have got previously. You know, So you get people dressing up as pop stars or film stars rather than the traditional spooky witch or demon. Or the wizards have all turned into Harry Potter characters. A lot of Harry Potter robes you yeah, see. Yes, a lot of Harry Potter characters now. And previously you would get the J.R.R. Tolkien, so you'd get hobbits and elves and, mm-hmm. and wizards from there. Whatever's in the zeitgeist. At, at the time, absolutely, yeah. 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 Uh, has anyone today ever gone the, the, the whole hog and dressed up as a... British Prime Minister? <laughs> I'm not that sure. That would really scare people. But I think a couple of years ago there were a fair few Donald Trumps out there. I would there. imagine yeah, so, yeah. There were a fair <laughs> few of them. Although some people can't take it too far. Um, I know that there was an incident, and I'm going to be very careful how I describe this, there was an incident very recently, very close by, where somebody dressed up as somebody who was really unpleasant. And I don't just mean in a Donald Trump unpleasant, somebody very unpleasant and upset a lot of people. So you have to be actually quite careful with the... You can't You can't keep that. Yeah. Who was it? Uh, I'm not saying who it was. <sighs> I think I have an idea. And there but, is a, yeah, a partner's I, book coming out soon and I think that might be <laughs> You've got to be a little bit careful what, what you get up to. Uh, yeah, One person's fun is another person's and they've yeah. done what? So, well, yes. didn't we have one of our lovely princes dressing up in a Nazi uniform a good while ago? Yeah, I think, like I think that. that was for a Halloween party. So, yeah, not not the best of choices of, of costumes. No. Yes, yeah, so there's a thin line there. Uh, yeah. The tradition of... Uh, you mentioned the tradition of telling ghost stories. Is that mm-hmm. alive and kicking today, or are we losing that particular um, activity? It's... There are bits and pieces. Some people seem to have lost it completely, but other areas I think it's coming back. I think one of the problems we have is the sensitivity around children. When I was little, I was told the most horrific ghost stories, which I thoroughly enjoyed. (laughs) But of course, now you have to be sensitive and we're not allowed to frighten five-year-olds. I think five-year-olds should be frightened on a daily basis myself. But apparently you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to tell them ghost stories that are so frightening they get nightmares anymore. Mm-hmm. So I think for a while it was really dampened down. But it's it's becoming a bit more traditional, possibly not with children, but with older people that, you know, they're gathering and Halloween. They're maybe not going out to a party, but, you know, you'll have friends around your house and the drink will start to flow and the, and the ghost stories will start to, to come together, which is great but fun. also you kind of mentioned the modern version of that. You yeah. talked about the Halloween franchise. That is the modern storytelling like if you look at the cinemas every october there's new horror films coming out and that might be the modern version especially for america and things i feel like the celtic nations kind of still have that um attachment to the past where yes if you look at things like the mod or the eisted for all of these big festivals the celtic connections festivals you still get that storytelling i mean the word kaylee people think the word kaylee means dance it doesn't it means gathering it's a gallery now you may dance or you may just tell stories or you may just listen to music but it's a gathering and and the scots the irish the welsh the britain you know the celtic nations are great storytellers you know and 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 it's some of the stories change and morph over the years which is exactly as they should do 
So, I mean, I tend to be a little bit of a traditionalist and I don't particularly like modern ghost stories. But that's fine. What is modern to me is not modern to someone else. So 100 years from now, who knows what sorts of ghost stories will be telling you? I don't know, haunted mobile phones or something. Who knows? Yeah, the, 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 sorry, I, we don't script this. Uh, and, and I think our listeners will realise that. But it, you you prick something that is dear to me. If we If we take fairy tales that were written by people like Hans Christian Andersen, for example, which can be very dark and very disturbing. And at the start you said, no, it's not trick-or-treat, it's not an American thing. But surely America, through Hollywood and, 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 and other media outlets, has this tendency to rewrite a story in a particular image. Yes. Because they, we don't want to scare the kids. Yes. We don't want to face reality. A lot of what comes out of Hollywood is very sanitised, is very sugary. There will be a big bad witch or a big bad stepmother, but everybody will live happily ever after uh -huh. in the end. Now, that's fine because obviously you don't want things stuck in aspect. It's great that stories are retold and evolved and changed, mm -hmm. as long as the original versions are also equally promoted, equally read, equally retold. Absolutely. And that's where, simply because of the size of Hollywood and the reach of Hollywood, that tends, they tend to overload the original versions, yeah. but the original versions, remember, even the original versions of the Grimm stories, the Grimm brothers wrote down the folk stories that they were told, and they sanitised them even a little bit, although yeah. if you've read them, they were Grimm, they were grim. <laughs> oh, those stories were indeed, but yes, as long as the originals remain, or the variations, you know, variations is, is fantastic, as long as one does not dominate the other, and unfortunately with Hollywood, simply because of its reach, it does tend to. I, I have a, a, a goddaughter, and when she was little, I actually told her the original uh, Cinderella story, much to the upset of her mother. And she told me at one point, we were halfway through the story, and she said, no, you've got it wrong. And I had to explain to her that, no, I hadn't got it wrong, but she had the, she had the Hollywood version in her head. And trying to explain to her that there was another yeah. version, she was quite uh, yes, and she did like the original version, even though it is a little bit gory. But she she quite liked that. She was seven at the time. I didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> she was fine, you know. Yeah. So Mary, although I said we don't script this, I I can't let this podcast instalment finish before I ask you about Guy Fox Night, because Guy Fox Night happens five six days after Halloween. Is there a traditional connection between the two festivities? No. Guy Fawkes Apart was... Apart from the bonfire. Well, <laughs> poor old Guido Fawkes. They tried to blow up the Houses of Parliament, um, which you may or may not think was a good idea. That's entirely up to you. But they decided to blow up, and they didn't. And he got caught. And he was foreign. And even though he was a minor, minor player in the whole gunpowder plot, because they'd got him, that was it. And he was executed. And they celebrated the fact that they had, oh, they'd saved the parliament and they'd saved the king and they'd saved all the politicians. And the best way to celebrate is a bonfire because bonfires are great fun. Mm -hmm. And so in England you had a bonfire and then you had an effigy of Guido Fox, Guy Fox, the guy, gets chucked on the bonfire. Great fun. And that was very much an English tradition. But because England is ten times the size of Scotland, it tended to dominate and so that's why we will have guys on bonfires up here that have no relation to Scottish culture whatsoever. Although, admittedly, at the time, it was also our parliament, but, you know, uh, it's not really got anything to do with, with Halloween at all. It just so happens the two happen within, what, a week of each other? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
they were trying to sabotage a Scottish king. Sorry, British king, James VI and first. Indeed, yes. the British king. Who was on the throne at that time. Yeah, yeah I remember wheeling a homemade go-kart through the streets with a homemade guy. Penny for the guy. And how My much did you get? first steps into the entrepreneurial <laughs> world. Penny for the guy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Uh, Rhiannon, thanks a lot for your contribution to this podcast installment. Thank you installment. for having me. Mary, thanks for giving us such wonderful explanations. Mm. We know much more now about uh, Halloween than we did before. And Cassie, thank you very much for the sound effects so lovingly provided in the background. Absolutely, that's what we Let's need. not edit them out. No, let's not. <laughs> okay, well, it's goodbye from all three of us and... Thank you very much for listening and please join us again next time. Rhiannon, will you be with us? I'm not sure. I don't know. I will be happy to be a guest at any point. Excellent. Oh, we're going to hold you to that. <laughs> we'll be talking about the Navi riots, which took place here in the Scottish borders in the 19th century. I'm not good on dates, but around the middle of the 19th century, maybe. Yes. That's it. Spot on. Thank you for listening. See you. Bye.